2: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 132 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening, which is a little bit bizarre, but we had to wait a little bit, you know, partially because I was traveling and partially because we didn't know who the Braves were going to be playing in the NLDS until uh, later than a normal Sunday recording time. But as a present to the listener, um, for I guess also as sort of an apology for our delay, we have two guests on the podcast today, and it's the first time maybe ever, but definitely in a long time that we have the same, these two guys on the same podcast. We have Eric Cole and Scott Coleman in the
1: same room. What's up, fellas?
0: The Cole podcast, I like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, all Coles. Although, I guess that means Scott's more man than I am, but that's okay. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> get it, get it, Brad? Uh, I did get that, that was, well, that was well said. So, in order
2: to keep the peace on this podcast, I'm gonna kinda just play traffic cop. It's tough to have three people on the podcast sometimes, so I'm gonna keep my takes to a minimum. My takes are, are, are out there. People seem to enjoy them on occasion. But, uh, you know, there's a lot to get to, and you guys are smarter than I am, so let's talk about it. Um, you know, the the meat of the podcast is going to be, of course, previewing the NLDS against the Dodgers. Before we get to that, there's one, of course, news item that bleeds into it a little bit, and that's the Dansby Swanson Probably isn't going to play in the series. They've not announced that he's out just yet, but uh, he has a partially torn ligament in his left hand. Uh, The latest is that Brian Snickers said he's uh, still feeling some discomfort when taking some dry swings. No decision, but basically everyone that covers the team closely has been saying it's doubtful. Snickers kind of saying the same thing. So I think we got to kind of proceed as if he's not going to play. Um, If if anybody has any objection to that, then please say now or forever hold your peace. But I think we're probably going to move on without him. With, With that said, it is a pretty big loss. I don't know. How big of a loss? I guess, Scott, let's just start there. Scott, how big of a loss is Dan's been? We know the bats been struggling this season, but at the same time, his glove is really important. And, uh, you know, yeah. the bench is kind of not great, which makes it tough.
0: Yeah, it absolutely hurts the defense. I mean, I mean, everyone knows the big reason why the Braves were able to turn it around this year is is because of how good they were defensively. Uh, losing his glove in the middle of the infield is, is going to hurt. But. Uh, of course, you mentioned his his bat has not progressed the way that people have wanted it to, and and Charlie's been so good this year uh, at the plate. So I think from an you know from a starting lineup perspective, the trade-off isn't necessarily a huge one, but where it really does hurt is the bench, and we'll talk about the projected roster. But without Culberson uh, on the bench, it really thins it out. We're talking about uh, really Eric Flaherty being the most likely, uh, infield backups. You, you just
2: go Eric minutes. Flaherty. That was that was a forty and slip, I think.
0: Oh, ooh. <laughs> Ryan Flaherty. It's been a long day.
2: It's been uh, couple
0: days, but yeah. So it it hurts the. I think it hurts the depth um, defensively. Culberson is not Dansby, but uh, he's certainly passable. He can kind of play all over the infield, um, and you hope that it doesn't come back to bite the Braves. Everyone remembers poor Brooks Conrad from twenty ten. You hope it's not a similar situation again. I, I don't think it will be, but uh, not good for Dansby. And Anytime you start talking about a hand or wrist injury with a hitter, which he's now had both of in a 12-month period, you start to worry a little bit. So not ideal, but I, I guess as bad as this, as it is to say, if somebody was going to get hurt, Dansby's probably the best guy to get hurt of, of all your starters. So um, hopefully they're able to move on and, and it won't come back to bite them.
2: Yeah I think that makes sense. I mean it's a situation where the the glove does play up I think in the playoffs which might sound weird but just having that kind of rock solid guy at shortstop is big. I'm not a believer in Culberson's defense at shortstop. Um, it It doesn't mean he has to be a disaster in the way that Conrad was and he's obviously a better defender than Brooks Conrad was at any point in time but he's definitely not a plus defender at shortstop and that's argue with the most important position on the diamond, so that really kind of hurts you. It does, have, it does help to have guys who can credibly play defense around him. You know, Camargo at third and Albies at second, that really does help you. This is probably a rabbit hole that I don't need to go down, but I probably would have just moved Albies to, to shortstop, which, they'll never get to, which they're never going to do, but I would have done that this week at some point um, at the end of the season just to try it, see how he looked there. Now that they haven't done that, that's off the table, clearly, and they're going to play with Culberson, which is kind of what we expected. But um, Eric, do you kind of echo, like, Maybe he's the best guy that you could lose out of the out of the starting eight, but also that's a pretty significant loss still. Even you know, the bat's kind of what it is, but it's still a pretty big loss.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, if you're going to lose somebody, but you definitely don't want to lose him. It The biggest reason being is uh, what Scott was talking about was this. It makes the bench so much worse if you're kind of getting later in a game, uh, especially if, you know, what happens in playoff games sometimes where, you know, like the starter gets – they just get to him a little bit and they, the starter gets pulled and you start getting into, you know, getting a bunch of bullpen pieces in there and you need a lot of pinch hitters. You don't really, I'm not really super excited about Ryan Flaherty and, you know, God forbid, Renee Rivera or something like that, you know, ending up having to make pinch hitting appearances in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I tend to be a little bit more bullish just from the, just on the eye test stuff with Culberson's defense. I've completely understand and respect that the defensive metrics don't necessarily support that, but he doesn't know. Really, hadn't really had a ton of playing time there. So I, I, Maybe that means that 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 rust will carry over to the playoff, or maybe that means that he'll get more comfortable there. I don't really know. I'm not. I'm just not as. I guess I'm not as bearish on Culperson at shortstop, uh, and I certainly don't think it's going to be a Brooks Conrad thing. Uh, obviously, this this will get played ad nauseum uh, if you know he ends up you know <laughs> making a bunch of bunch of errors and stuff, uh, which is fine. But I mean, I, I I I like that the starting lineup in and of itself. It doesn't feel like overall production is going to be affected, and I actually think that having Culperson in the lineup will it'll like lengthen the lineup against some pretty tough pitching, which is un, a non-zero consideration, especially when you think about kind of what that lineup looked like with Dansby in it when he wasn't hitting particularly well. And those last three positions were basically automatic outs or as close as you can be to it. So that that, that is a plus, but the downside is that, I mean, Dansby has been legitimately great at shortstop this year and he has made plays that have saved games. And, you know, we can talk about what the overall production has been, uh, and what that has affected on the entire season for the Braves. But on a game-to-game basis, I mean, you kind of want guys to be able to make the plays that matter. And, you know, what, what a guy's overall production does ultimately doesn't matter a whole lot. Uh, when, you know, if they if you think that he could make a mistake and then he ends up making a mistake in a playoff game, I mean, you don't get to do it over again and, you know, try someone else there in a different series. This is basically all you get. So it's a little bit concerning from that perspective. But at the same time, like, it's not one of those – damning sort of like if Ronald Acuna or Freddie Freeman got hurt like this series could get ugly in a hurry as an
2: example yeah I mean I I will say my guard is up probably a little bit more than most on Culberson just because you know there's no question he's been fantastic this year Um, I still think um, it might be a bit of a mirage based on his history but you know it doesn't really matter if it carries over this series and defensively I think you're probably right Eric in that He's not like it's. He's not bad outright there. I just think um, the drop there and having a guy who's not played there all year, always consistently, um, it's just a it's a big loss and something that has to happen. But it's got as you guys both said eloquently, it's got more to do with the bench than it does with Culberson because if, you know if the if the 2018 Culberson is real, he's a better hitter than Swanson, which is a weird thing to say out loud. But you know this this year he's been a better hitter, so maybe that maybe it help, actually helps the lineup weirdly. Um, you know bench-wise, it's going to hurt a lot. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, before we get into like the full-on nitty-gritty of the uh, you know roster decisions, all that fun stuff, the schedule's out, which, which is interesting and helpful for planning purposes. For me, a uh, bunch of night games, uh, Thursday 8.37 Eastern, Friday 9.37 Eastern, and Sunday 8.07 Eastern, so no afternoon baseball in the first three games, which would have been great for podcast purposes. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's doesn't. There's not really a takeaway there other than you know it's the Dodgers. They're a big market team. The Braves are a national following. It's kind of a headline-making series. I guess the only series that would be bigger from a national standpoint um, would be if the Braves were playing the Cubs, maybe. But other than that, like this is kind of an all eyes on the Braves series, which is very interesting. And you know, as a result, we're getting a lot of takes. I think Scott put out there that ESPN did one person pick the Braves in the series. Was that was that what he yeah. saw? Was, was it one out of five or think. something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, one so, out
1: of twenty-seven or something like that.
2: Yeah, and listen, I'm not surprised. We'll talk about that at the end. Like the the Dodgers are the favorites in this series. They have home. They have home field. They have probably more talent top to bottom. They're the betting favorite. All that fun stuff not a huge surprise there. But uh, a lot of extra eyeballs um, on the situation. No, none of those like four o'clock games. It's going to be a lot of prime time and a lot of anguish for us, I'm sure. Um, I have down here ask you about ask you about the season series that feels almost silly because I don't care at all about season series. The Braves went two and five against the Dodgers. Do, do either of you actually think that matters at all?
1: Well, I actually was the I wrote about that. Uh, you I guess did. that went out today. Yeah, I went about that out today. Talkingshop.com. So, <laughs> um, not really. I mean, we're talking about like a season series where one of the games that the Braves lost was started by Brendan McCarthy, which is no longer an issue. Uh, I don't think anyone necessarily thinks that. Luke Jackson is going to be on the postseason roster, and he was a guy that gave a bunch of runs to the to, to the Dodgers. This is also; these are also a lot of games that Peter Moylan was making appearances in, and when he was before he got quote unquote hurt, uh, I don't know, ruptured success gland or whatever ended up being the the final <laughs> diagnosis. But I mean, it's one of those things where you know a, the team as constructed isn't necessarily the one that is going to be facing the Dodgers. Um, I'm a little I'm a little bit surprised that Newcomb is getting a, a, getting like talk about you know like going against the Dodgers in this in this series because he had one really good start where he almost no hit the Dodgers which is obviously great and then one where he really did not have a good start so it's kind of one of those and given what we've seen with Newcomb lately it's a little bit concerning to try to figure out which one you're going to do so it's a tough you know it's a tough thing to kind of balance because you kind of want to take these results because again this they are just from the season but at the same time it's not really what we're going to see you know, that's, I go, that's just my general thoughts on it. It's just that, yeah, yeah. It's, you would prefer them to have a winning record against the Dodgers, but ultimately it doesn't really matter right now.
0: I'm with you 100%. As you mentioned, a lot of guys who are not with the team anymore, won't be on the roster, uh, played some vital, <laughs> made some vital inning and appearances and at-bats against uh, the Dodgers early in the year. Uh, last year in the playoffs, Dodgers played the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks went something like 14 and 5 against the Dodgers in the regular season, and then the Dodgers went in and swept them in three games in the NLDS. So, it, it truly doesn't mean anything, um, as you said. Yes, you wish uh, you wish they would have gone 5 and 2 instead of 2 and 5, but at the end of the day, I really don't think it matters uh, too much.
2: Agreed. I want to at least mention that because uh, people were, uh, at least I saw some discussion about that and how, you know, it was one of the reasons why the Dodgers are favorite. I don't really think that's necessarily the case. It's kind of an independent event, but worth at least noting. Um, we can talk about the uh, sort of the roster stuff now and we're sort of getting the nitty gritty a little bit. Actually, it just got announced and Scott pointed this out to me offline. Um, the Dodgers have now announced their first uh, two game starters. They're going to go with Hyunjin Ryu in game one and Kershaw in game two, which is a little bit of a surprise. I mean, yeah. at least to me, are you as surprised about that? I was.
0: Yeah, just because Kershaw then wouldn't, in theory, be ready for. I mean, he could pitch a game five, but he would be on three
2: days. Uh, I, I, think. I
0: believe he'd be on a, a less days rest, which is a little odd. But Ryu's also been arguably their best pitcher in the, over the last month, so you can kind of pick, you know, pick your poison there.
1: Yeah, oh, I, mean- I do want. I wonder if it's an issue of trying to get Kershaw some extra rest before that start because I mean that that's a guy that's had a lot of issues with his back this year and you know he's had issues the last couple of years staying healthy and you I mean obviously he's still really good and you know he's he's kind of the the problem in the series especially if he pitches twice which this makes this less makes that less likely. Actually, but,
2: hold on, I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now and I was wrong about that he would still be on four days rest because there's two days mm. off in a series. Um, mm. Friday is game two. Then he would have Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday off before Wednesday is game five. So I was wrong about that. He would still be on full rest, which is probably why they're doing that. Which goes to Eric's point that giving him the extra day when you could still have him come back on four days rest is probably a good idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting, <laughs> unless I have his numbers up, Ryu had a 1.88 ERA across uh, nine starts in the second half. Uh, more than a strikeout an inning, less than one walk per inning. Um, I mean, it you know, it, they're not throwing some unknown, you know, triple-A pitcher for game one here. I think they're it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to hope that a lot of those, you know, stats that people keep throwing up about how good the Braves are supposed to be against left-handers hold up because the Dodgers can throw all the left-handers you could ever want out in their rotation, uh, including one of the best ones that we've seen in the past decade. So, I mean, again, it's the, regardless of what, if it's Ryu or Kershaw, I mean, these are both really good starters, and I'm actually surprised that those numbers for Ryu have been that good in the second half, which is a little bit surprising to me, but at the same time, like, that's also where the Dodgers kind of been surging, and he's probably, he's been a big reason why, so, you know, it's not going to mean, it's not, I don't think it's any easier having Ryu out there. I think you're, you're going to have to take one of these two games for the Braves to have a shot anyway, so, you know, just whoever it is, just, you know, you have to get to one of them.
0: I think I also yeah. said less than a walk per inning with Ryu, no shit in less than (laughs) a walk per nine innings. He walked a total of six batters across 53 innings in the second half. So
1: there you go. Uh, That is significantly better.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I had a feeling that, uh, unless it was Sean Newcomb on steroids, I can't imagine he's going to be a walking guy per inning. But yeah, uh, those guys are very good, and that's worth pointing out. I do think, and I actually just pulled this up to look at it, they've they've taken the betting odds off the board. I always like to see what Vegas is saying. Um, I have a feeling the Braves would be less of an underdog in Game One now than they were uh, before, um, because you know you could argue, you could sort of argue that Fulte versus Ryu is pretty even, uh, even even with Ryu pitching really well, Fulte has been fantastic this year. It's on the road, uh, which has to be mentioned, but still that kind of levels of playing field in Game One. Game Two looks a lot less fun now. I will say whether it be uh, you know Kevin Gosman or whoever else in Game Two, um, you're probably at a very large disadvantage. For instance, um, Vegas had um, Kershaw as more than a minus 200 favorite in Game 1 against Fulte. I'd imagine that's going to be a lot higher uh, against whoever else it is. So just something to point out. Um, that, that kind of changes the dynamics a little bit. Um, going back to what we were just saying, Fulton a, which is going to go in Game 1. That is not a surprise in any way, shape, or form. He's been the ace of the staff this season. Um, Scott, I think, mentioned one of you guys mentioned this uh, briefly earlier. Um, Snicker apparently on Tuesday gave some indications that Sean Newcomb might actually get a start. In this series that surprised everyone i was reading mark bowman's tweet and actually made note of that he was very surprised he felt like everybody was kind of surprised that was even an option it looks to be something about left-handed pitching against the dodgers being something that, that they want newcomb's been kind of rough lately so what was your reaction i guess we'll start with eric first what was your reaction to snicker at least alluding to Nukem as a potential starter, it's definitely up in the air. That nothing has been formally announced at this point in time, as we record here on Tuesday afternoon. But Nukem might be on the roster as a, uh, as I guess, the fourth starter, and that is a little bit of a surprise,
1: at least to me. I still don't think it's a, I don't think it's ideal or likely that Nukem makes the roster. I think what the Braves are doing is trying to give the Dodgers as much as possible to to prepare for. And I honestly don't think that this playoff roster is going to be. Submitted and announced until like 9:58 a.m. on yeah. Thursday, which is like like I think that they're going to give the Dodgers as the least amount of like time possible to prep, prepare for the series and to get and for inf- the information that they need uh, to kind of prepare for that series. Otherwise, I mean like you know again this is a team that is an underdog, and one thing that the Braves can do here uh, is say well that we have all these pitchers. You know who are they going to run out and when? And if the Braves start saying well we might start Nukum, you never know. And then the Dodgers have to do more and more work. And you know, if they end up not putting faulty or not putting Newcomb in the rotation, and you know, the Dodgers did any amount of put any amount of resources and any amount of work into preparing for the possible, you know, the possible chance that he was going to be in there. Then that's you know, resources they couldn't have used elsewhere. Yeah, it was I was personally
0: surprised when it came out. I had kind of written off Nuke, but as you mentioned, it might just be a little bit of, of gamesmanship from the Braves. Uh, nuke is also all year long been better with extra rest and he would certainly be on extra rest re- regardless of what game he's starting uh, whether it be two three or four uh, of course he came within a strike of no hitting the dodgers in in july though that was kind of his last good start uh, he had that one good one in san francisco but other than that it was that one and the one against the dodgers in the second half and everyone else was was pretty rough so I'm with you. I think it's a little more gamesmanship from the Braves. I still think, you know, if a game four came along, I would still lean they start Julio or even Fulte on shorter rest and then turn it into a bullpen game. But um, they could, he, you know, he's again, he's far better with the extra rest. Uh, he doesn't seem to enjoy pitching in the heat. It should be in theory just being a later, later start. And in October, it should be cooler. Uh, so we'll see. Not not ideal. You wish you had someone as a better option than, uh, than Newcomb or, or Julio as your fourth right now, and they don't seem to be really looking at Tukey as a, a realistic starter uh, in the NLDS. So uh, it's, I'm with you, though. It wouldn't be a surprise. I think the deadline is 10 a.m. I think at 9.58, as you said, that's when we'll see the roster for the first time.
2: And that's what the guys who cover the team uh, every day were saying. Bowman said the same thing. They're expecting the roster to be Thursday morning. Of course, they've been they've been asked a hundred times by fans um, when the roster's coming, and that was one of the things that they, kind of everybody's saying is they're going to wait as long as possible, which is the move. That's what's what you should do. In a sense, especially with a team like the Braves that does have some actual decisions to make, it's not very clear cut. You know, there are a lot of teams where you can kind of look and see what their four stars are going to be, for instance. And the Braves are not one of those teams. They have a pretty clear three at this point with, with Annibal kind of making the jump into that area recently. Um, but that fourth one is definitely up for grabs. I would probably lean towards Tukey, but that, that's, that does not seem to seem to be in the consideration, which I understand. He's young and they'll have him around, hopefully, in the bullpen. Um, with that in mind, uh, actually, I, I guess I'm looking at Mark Bowman's projected 25-man roster, and it's one that doesn't have, have a ton of surprises on it. Um, you know, the starting eight is clearly going to be what the starting eight is, including Culberson if Dansby can't go. Um, but the pitching is... I guess there's interesting decisions both on the bench and with the pitching staff. Let's start with the pitching staff first, as we're talking about, um, you know, Newcomb and Snicker and all that fun stuff. Um, You know, rotationally, you had that that choice as the four starter between Tehran Newcomb and I guess Tukey, which doesn't seem to be an option. Um, That that will kind of make itself. But after that, you have the bullpen. Um, We talked about the bullpen a couple weeks ago, and the choices that appear to be locks now according to the people that cover this thing closely that i've talked to brian snicker are different than what we had back then so i'm wondering how you guys feel about that scott i mean this is what uh, this is what bowman had to say about his bullpen projections he has viscaino mentor sabatka brad brock johnny venters sam freeman Tuki, and max freed as, as his projected eight uh in the bullpen uh some surprises there to anybody and i guess um was there anything that you would do differently
0: that's that's what I had guessed on Sunday afternoon. I think I tweeted out or posted somewhere. That's actually what my projected bullpen was. Now, obviously, I'm just guessing. I'm not sitting in, in these meetings with, with Snit in the front office, but uh, with Viz, Minter, Sabatka, I think uh, those three plus Venters are, are the locks, um, especially the way that Sabatka has thrown over the last couple of weeks. Um, Sam Freeman has been better since, since returning. He still kind of terrifies me, but his inability to consistently throw strikes, but he has been pretty good on a results basis uh, since coming back off the DL. I really like the idea of Tukey and Freed in the middle relief. We saw those guys just with their pure stuff and the curve can really uh, just dominate hitters when they're right. And I'd like to see them throw multiple innings. If there was ever a situation where uh, the starter doesn't go super deep or there's an obvious early pinch hitting situation, you like to have those guys, you know, you can stretch out a little bit and, and cover yourself that way. Um and really I think the last spot everyone or at least Bowman had Brock in there um I think it could be Brock I think it could be Winkler I think it could be Biddle but Winkler and Biddle with reason in their first full years it feels like they've hit a wall a little bit they pitched so much over the summer um I just think they've kind of run out of gas a little bit Brock has a little bit of experience he's an older guy I would imagine uh, from the couple times the Orioles made the playoffs he's he's probably made a few playoff appearances over his career um, but again, you hope that you're not in a situation where you're really relying on him for high leverage situations. But, um, so yeah, not, not a huge surprise for the eight that he listed.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, Brock isn't like an exciting option for that eighth spot. Uh, I'm happy that Max Fried and Tuki Toussaint are going to be at least on that. On, it seems like they're going to be on this playoff roster because the idea of having them where you can handcuff them to a, a struggling starter and like bring him like, you know, be able to pull, a starter and have another guy who can throw three or four innings. And it's not like, you know, going to like possibly result in their arm exploding or anything like that. Uh, And it gives you some options, you know, kind of keeps that those guys in the back of the other team's mind that, you know, they could just, you know, randomly throw one of those guys out of there as a, you know, as a starter and they run a game or, you know, make a really interesting sort of bullpen game because those are guys that can go multiple innings. But when you mean Scott's right, that Winkler Biddle and, uh, and Carl for that matter have all kind of had a lot of innings and a lot of appearances for this team and they have kind of you know I mean Carl's looked a little bit better Winkler's like kind of had spots and I mean all three of those guys they look gassed and if you have those guys I'd rather have a guy who's like consistently thrown like full seasons uh and you know gotten through them without you know being completely gassed again he doesn't look great but I feel like in this situation, where it's kind of that last bullpen spot, if I if I'm choosing, I would probably pick Brock. But you know, I mean, there's there's certainly some more upside with a guy like you know a guy like Winkler, um, especially because you know he's the guy that you know for the first part of the season he was like if you needed a big strikeout that was the guy that you went to, and you know maybe if Snitker thinks that you know like that extra bit of rest these last few days is exactly what Winkler needed and he like he threw a good bullpen or something then maybe he gets the nod. But you know if I'm if I'm kind of pre- Who's protecting the roster? This is kind the in terms of the bullpen. This is kind of what I'd be looking at.
2: I do think you know Brock is a guy I would I would be taking. Um, The one that fans are going to freak out about, and they already have, is Sam Freeman. I've seen a lot of the a lot of the mentions of Bowman and Dob and those kind of guys about that. Freeman has been pretty good recently. Um, You know, there'll probably be some PTSD watching him in the first time in the playoffs. Um, I get that.
1: He's he's, he's he's he is a scary. Off.
2: Yeah, it's not you're not you're not you're not comfortable with Sam Freeman out there which I I understand but you also want that second lefty so I I I mean I Mentor is left-handed, I understand that, but they're going to use Mentor, at least in the past, they've pretty much, Snicker really does not like to go full matchups in like the ninth inning of closing a game, so like, I think Mentor at the moment, we'll talk about this in a second, is probably the eighth inning guy, which means you want a more situational lefty out there. I know you have Venters, but probably having two is a good idea, and Freeman's really the only option for that, because you have Freed and Tuki in these like, you know, I guess, Backpacking roles, um, so it's a situation where I'm on board with those two guys for sure, Tuki and Freed, because of what you said. You know, this is not a team that has lights out starting pitching outside of Fulte. So having two long, longish relievers is a good idea, especially guys that have real upside. You know, Tuki and Freed are capable of going out there for three, four innings and, and actually shutting down opponents. It's not a situation where you're throwing out. You know. Tehran on the bullpen—that would not be something that I would be, that, that I would actually be a fan of. Even though obviously he's a bigger name, he's been decent at times this season. It makes more sense to have the the young guys that have high high level stuff rather than that more um, I guess seasoned option. So having those guys that makes sense. So, I mean, the only real decisions that you're making—I mean, Sabaka felt like an by the end of the season felt like an absolute lock, which is kind of surprising, but it, it just didn't mm-hmm. feel that way.
1: So. Winkler understatement of the century, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean Winkler's fallen a long way. I think he was like a legitimate all-star conversation in like July. Um, so to have him not, him not be on the roster is a little bit surprising in that way. But you know, recent performance wise, not so much. I know a week ago, Dob thought Carl was a lock, and I was like, I couldn't believe that. And I think you know they've kind of come around. Maybe that, maybe him not being around. But this this eight does make sense, um, especially if you think that Freeman's going to be there. I think he's going to be there.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I know especially with Biddle, I mean, I think of all the guys we're talking about, I think Jesse Biddle has even lesser chance of making it than Winkler or Carl. His numbers uh, over his last 10 starts at, or at last 10 appearances were really, really rough. So, And again, this is not these guys' fault in any way, shape, or form. It's their first full year in the majors. They've made you know 60 appearances or so, a lot of high-leverage innings early in the year. In Biddle's case, a guy who threw more than one inning sometimes – Uh, They just ran out of every team in baseball in September has bullpen issues uh, for even the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers bullpen was so rough in August that uh, their solution was to shift Alex Wood and Kenta Maeda to their late inning roles because they kept blowing games late. It's the reason uh, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks weren't able to or they weren't able to put the D-backs and the Rockies away early as their bullpen kept blowing games late. Kenley Jansen's had some problems as well. So their solution was to move some of their starters to their bullpen. Part of that is being the Dodgers and, and the incredible depth that they have, but everyone has bullpen issues this time of year, uh, and you just kind of have to roll with the guys who are throwing the best right now.
2: Yeah, it's the move. I mean, it, it's, it's tough, and this is a, this has been a theory, maybe not a theory, but like an overarching theme is probably the best way to put it, between, um, I guess just sort of philosophically, between guys who have the hot hand recently and guys who have longer-term track records. This is, a, you know, bullpen's even more prickly because – All the sample sizes are relatively small in general, so it makes it even harder. But the same decisions are being made at other levels when it comes to the batting or other things, like do you lean on full season sample sizes or do you lean on guys who've been good in the last month or two? Like Marquecas, for instance, has been really kind of bad for two, three months now. and has been really good for two, three months now. Um, Pitching-wise, you know, Biddle's been bad, Winkler's been bad, those guys were really good earlier, um, whereas Freeman was really bad earlier, and now has been really good for a while. So, kind of that balance is always interesting to me, and it kind of depends on who you ask, and that, that makes sense, it's why baseball's fun, is that you're trying to find the happy medium of trusting your long-term, bigger samples when compared to small samples of guys being good or bad. You know, Adam Duvall's another instance, and we'll talk about that in a second. Adam Duvall was a pre good baseball player for a long time, and now in Atlanta, it's a small sample. But he's been dreadful. So, like, how do you how do you balance that? It's really kind of interesting to talk about that. And the bullpen's another good example of it because of what we just said. You know, a couple guys have been really good lately that seem to be what Snickers leaning on versus the guys who have longer track records, but um, weren't exactly fantastic in August and in, in September. So yeah. the choices are very interesting in that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's kind of one of those. I mean, I think that it's more important to look at the short-term performance, like you know, kind of near-term. Look at how they've been doing the last couple of months with, bull- with bullpen guys specifically, just because their stocks are so volatile. I mean, they're, I mean, whoever who's leading the, who's the best reliever in April and May is. It seems like it's almost never the guy that's going to be ends up closing out the year that way, just because. I mean at the end of the day the reason why these guys are relievers is because they had something that kept them from being a good starter and a lot of times that's health a lot of times that's you know he their repertoire is something that can be figured out and that's kind of ultimately what happens and you just kind of have to go with who's kind of performing well and who can handle those pressure situations at the end of the year and that's you know that's very that's that's why relievers are the most volatile commodity and why there's so much turnover
2: Bullpens are interesting, and you're going to see a lot more of them. There's a lot more emphasis placed on bullpen management, which is kind of scary, given some issues that have happened with the manager. But, uh, you know, it's also kind of fluid. If you get a couple guys who are hot and who are really throwing the ball well, it can be very, very helpful. to that end, there's a list of rumored change, I think probably even more than that, more like alluded to, and that Vizcaino is gonna probably be the closer as this thing opens. That's not been like a full-blown announcement that was made, but at the same time, Snicker alluded this week that you know if, if in that situation, he was gonna probably go to Viscaino over Minter, and that's not a huge surprise. Minter's not been as good as we thought he probably would be this year. Vizcaino has looked good at times since he came back, But, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise to me, not like a full-on stunner, but Vizcaino was gone for a long time to the point where we were actually concerned that he might not come back this year at one point, and now he might be the closer ninth inning guy in the playoffs. Does that worry anybody at all? I mean, I guess we'll start with Scott and go to Eric from there, but did that surprise you that Vizcaino looks like he's going to be the ninth inning guy?
0: Not particularly, just the way that Minter has struggled a little bit. Now, who knows if Minter's back is still bothering him or not, but... Not a huge surprise, I think, because he missed the two and a half months. Everyone forgot a little bit just how good Vizcaino was early in the year, um, and frankly, in the playoffs, and and who knows how Snit's going to handle it. But frankly, I, I like to think of as just everybody is kind of a closer, and you're going to use your best guys whenever you need them, and. If there's a situation where you want to throw a viz in the seventh inning and there's bases loaded, you do it. I mean, that's you kind of play like I really
2: hope you're right about that, and someone needs to tell Brian Snicker.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I hope
2: so. You would
0: hate – I mean, it's the infamous David Carpenter, uh, Craig Kimbrell situation in in L.A. You you save your closer, and you never get a chance to close out the game. I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but I do hope that uh, that mentality doesn't come back to bite them over the next week.
1: I mean kind of picking back off that there are parts of this Dodgers lineup that I would greatly prefer to have AJ Minter pitch through the Vizcaino because having a lefty with that kind of stuff I mean the, there's there's some big bats that are in the Dodgers lineup but one that if you kind of if you have like really filthy stuff you can get some really ugly swings from them uh, and Minter kind of fits that mold so it's kind of one of those things where you know I kind of just hope that you know ultimately it just comes down to like matchups and situationally, what makes sense and what doesn't, and not necessarily like, well, this is our eighth inning, guys, so We're running him out, a- so we're going to run AJ out there against three righties that have been, you know, have been mashing the whole game, and and vice versa. I mean, there's there's ways to take advantage of matchups with this particular lineup. I mean, don't don't run Minter out there against Justin Turner uh, and Manny Machado, but there's definitely some guys like Bellinger and others that you can take some advantage of. So yeah. it's just yeah. kind of it's it's if they're smart about it, then ultimately it doesn't really matter who's closing, who's in the ninth.
2: I I totally agree, and I I hope to be pleasantly surprised by Snicker. Uh, It's never been his strength. I think even his defenders would acknowledge that he's not the greatest uh, tactical manager and bullpen strategist, but hopefully there'll be some uh, work done to get him ready for this. I do think... You know, pussy is just a different animal, especially now in 2018. It's very different. We talked about that on, on a recent podcast over the last couple of weeks. Just how different it is now to manage a bullpen and manage a game in 2018 in the playoffs than it was even seven, eight years ago. Um, guys are getting yanked earlier. Stars are getting yanked earlier. Nobody's nobody's going deep into games, matchups. Uh, you know, thinking out of the box, using your closer, as you said earlier, in the seventh inning if you need to, or sixth inning if you need to. If you have a you know whatever whatever the highest leverage spot of the game is, where you should have your best relief pitcher. And just seeing how sticker handles that will be very interesting. Even if uh, my expectations are kind of low, but hopefully I'll be uh, wrong about that. Um, the the other decision, um, I guess if there is one, even um, is with the twenty five man roster when it comes to the, the, the when it comes to the bench. Culberson starting at shortstop makes it um, challenging, as we mentioned a lot earlier about the about the bench. We know a couple spots are pretty much locks. I would say that whoever is the backup catcher is a lock. Clearly between Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki and Lucas Duda is a lock. Um, the other three spots are not locks. I will say, you know, Bowman's projected roster has Lane Adams, Ryan Flaherty, and Renee Rivera on it. Um for me, I would have been surprised if it was not Adams and Flaherty. Rivera is the point of contention for me in the third catcher spot. We talked about it a little bit uh, last week on the pod, but um Eric, would you go with the five that um, Bowman's laid out here, which is the Flozuki, Duda, Adams. Uh, Flaherty and Rivera combo,
1: or would you, you know, go with two catchers? How would you handle this? I mean, the problem here is that Adam Duvall has been atrocious, uh, and yes. that was again, I was like you, is that, I mean, <laughs> I was a fan of that trade, and you know, and it might end up working out. You know, the 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 switch from having a more full time role to being a bench guy is not an easy one, and. Being, being able to be ready just to come up at any given moment of a game and just, you know, produce is not not an easy thing, and it's a change in routine that some guys take to better than others. You know, it's tough. I, I would almost prefer have a guy like a real Ruiz or someone like that that that, that takes that spot because I just don't think Rivera's going to do anything. Uh, I think it's just kind of a wasted roster spot, but I also understand the reasoning for it because the idea of being able to have whoever is not – car- catcher is not starting, i be able to be, you know, reliable pinch hitting option is is, is certainly a thing. Uh, and then making sure you don't burn that catcher so that way you can actually, you know, someone has can actually catch pitches later in the game. But, I mean, it just, that, that last spot kind of feels just sort of bad. And I mean, again, I get the rationale for it, but I, I think I might try instead to just to get, like, get, a, get, get someone like a real Ruiz or someone like that. Someone who I feel like if they swing the bat, like something good might happen. Because I really don't want, like, Renee Rivera, and Ryan Flaherty getting, <laughs> getting pinch-hitting appearances in the postseason. No. But it might be that's where we're at.
0: I'm with you. I think Rio, and it sounds like he's going to kind of be on standby in case there's an injury of sorts, or so that's what they're saying publicly. But I'm with you. We talked, I think, last week, Brad, about how often would you actually need your third catcher in that situation. Um, I don't know. Personally, I would prefer Rio instead of Rivera. If you if you pinch hit Kurt Suzuki in the seventh inning with the bases loaded, and in the eighth inning Tyler Flowers breaks his hand with the foul ball. Well, one you have bigger problems, and two you just figure it out because it's just such a rare occurrence that uh, you know you can probably count on one hand the number of times uh, over the last decade that a third catcher could have been needed in a playoff game. Maybe not. You might not even need a full hand to to count it. So yeah, I mean, it's, I'm with it's... you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You have to go. I mean, they've already said it's Culberson's the third catcher. I mean, the third catcher if they needed one in you know, an emergency situation, the percentage chance of that happening is so low. And I know they'll get second. They'll get you know they'll get second guessed if that, if that did happen. If you lost both your, both your catchers in the same game, I get it. But the percentage again, the percentage chance of that is so low. And R- and Rivera is really bad. Like it's not a situation where you have this third catcher that you would maybe trust as a pinch hitter. Like most teams don't have that, but they really don't have it. Like it's not a situation where Rivera, Rivera is bad um, as a hitter,
1: which is not they a shot him. They also have given him no playing time in well, the last right. month. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> if, like they my, couldn't my, even get him warmed up if he was even remotely good.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I understand they were trying to win every game for positioning stuff at home field advantage, but if you were going to carry him, they should have played him at some point more. That, that was my case for, for Duval as well. I know I know Duval played a little bit more, but they should have been playing Duvall every day last week. Um I get why they wouldn't have, but at the same time, like Rivera really didn't play like at all. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. I would not carry a third, a third catcher. I think Bowman predicting that means that he knows something, or at least thinks he knows something, and he's very plugged in. So, I'm assuming that he's going to be right about this, and we're not going to like it. I do think the cost of it isn't as severe because of the lack of options. The bench is just not deep. You know, Rio is certainly a better hitter than Rene Rivera. But Rio is not this guy who is, um, at least on paper, going to be hugely valuable. So this is, goes back to the, to the loss of Swanson, moves everybody up, up a spot, and also, also the decision midseason to not go and add to this bench. I know they got Lucas Duda, which really helps, but they could have gotten another infielder pretty easily at the deadline. They didn't do that. Um, it looks worse now, and you couldn't you couldn't have predicted injury, but you look around and see teams like the Dodgers, by the way, or the Cubs that have 10, 11, 12 guys who are starting quality bats, like the worst hitter on the Dodgers roster. I saw Scott tweeted this, so I'm, I'm sorry, Scott, I'm stealing this from you, but um, their worst hitter in the last like two months is Brian Dozier, who was like a, like a 40 home run guy, was it last year, two years ago? Like, yeah. They yeah. have all these. They have all these guys who could really hit and scare you. Matt Kemp's not starting. Like you know, Matt Kemp's not this not this like great player. Matt Kemp is a terrifying bench bat for a team. Like the Braves don't really have that. Like they have one. They really have two pinch hitters. It's it's Duda on the left side and the, and the backup catcher on the right side, and that's a really rough spot to be in in a playoff series because you're gonna need those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know we haven't really talked a ton with reason about the Dodgers just yet, but
2: we're gonna do it. Um, it's coming. I promise. You know,
0: for the for the folks on the you know, East Coast who. I see a fair amount of the Dodgers just being out here on the West Coast. They are a really, really good team, and you hit the you know the nail on the head with when Brian Dozier has been your worst hitter in the second half of the guys who are regularly getting at bats. I mean, they have guys. They have Alex Verdugo, who's a top, who was a top prospect, would probably be starting for seventy percent of the teams in the National League, and he isn't even going to make the playoff roster. That's the kind of of roster depth the Dodgers have so you can compare we're talking about Rene Rivera or Rio Ruiz as your as a bench bat and they're going to leave a top 50 prospect off their off their playoff roster so that's where I think you really see the differences between the two clubs
2: depth is uh important and I, I do think most most fans don't value it as much as they probably should which makes sense you know all of I mean I'm a little bit I'm not that old, but you know, I'm in my thirties and like you look at I think about my childhood, like you, you memorize the starting lineups of baseball teams. Like you played video games with the starting lineups, you really didn't care much about the bench. And there's kind of that, um, same with fantasy, like you play your starters and that's kind of what it is. And it, you know, in real real playoff baseball, especially, you're gonna use your whole bench multiple times in games. Like I think people kind of overlooked that. Because of all the bullpen stuff and all especially in the national league, you're you're really gonna use these guys. A lot, like most nights, you know you're gonna see all these guys at some point. Like you're gonna see, I don't know, you're gonna you're gonna see. Lane Adams pinch hitting. Like I, I know Lane Adams is probably on, partially on the roster for his for his speed and his defense and that kind of stuff, but he's gonna have to hit in this series multiple times, I would guess. Like it's a situation you just you have to be ready to do that and get creative and pitch it for guys when when it's warranted you can't let pitchers hit for themselves beyond like the fifth like the fifth inning like you're gonna need pinch hitters and they don't really have them so i mean it's probably a good transition to talk about the dodgers a little bit but unless i mean do you guys have any more takes on the roster as it stands now i think we kind of covered it pretty well but please if we're missing something please let me know that
1: i mean i feel pretty good about it just what what we said just other than the fact that I mean, you're right. The, the bench is kind of a scary part of this roster, especially if anyone else has any sort of injury in, like, in the lineup. It doesn't even have to be something that's necessarily like, you know, like a season-ending thing, but something that requires, you know, a day or two of rest. A guy getting plunked. Uh, I mean, just imagine like an infielder right now. Like, imagine Ozzy takes a, a pitch off the elbow and needs a day or two. I mean, this that lineup, you know, the lineup in the bench gets from like, hey, one a really interesting lineup. To I really hope that we get lucky and win this game. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, that's probably a good point. Um, all right, let's talk about the Dodgers a little bit. We mentioned the rotation at the beginning just a little because we got the announcement of the starting rotation, uh, I guess, alignment of uh, Ryu and Kershaw. They also have Walker Buehler, who threw an absolute gem the other day in the uh, elimination, I, mean, I guess, game 163, the, uh, the division clincher. Uh, he's a young, yeah, you know, whatever whatever the word is. Um, but Bueller is an absolute young stud, very, very talented guy. They have Rich Hill, who I think will be their their game four starter if they need one. Um, and then they actually have some more depth as well. Like, for instance, old friend Alex Wood is in the bullpen. Kent Maeda is in the bullpen. Those, those two guys would be definitely, you know, top three or four starters on almost every team in the league like Alex Wood is a lot better than a lot of people that pitch playoff games as starters and he's in their ben- he's in their bullpen fully as is Maeda like they again this kind of goes back to depth they have an embarrassment of ridges in terms of their depth um that helps to have like you know that massive payroll to help um, facilitate that but uh, I guess we'll start with the pitching Kershaw's the guy everybody knows about but this is a pretty good staff
1: yeah, yeah I mean I'm terrified I'm, terrif- I'm, sorry, I'm yeah. terrified of the prospect of going against Walker Bueller. Uh, look, seeing that guy pitch like a few times in the second half, he's been, you know, he's kind of a nightmare. Um, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where you have to beat some, you have to beat some good pitchers. And, you know, fortunately, I mean, the, the Braves have the ability to put up some runs, especially if a few guys get hot. Uh, and we have some young guys who don't seem to know any better about, you know, whatever stage they're in and what, you know, how young they are. They shouldn't be able to perform this well, this young. So it's entirely, I'm hopeful and, you know. I am hopeful that the Braves can at least put up some runs against these starting pitchers and the bullpen. I mean, that obviously it looks good on paper, but I mean, like, but Alex Wood has kind of had some struggles against the Braves in the past, and I feel like the, the Braves might have some information on him that might make him, you know, might make that not necessarily as like a, like a lockdown guy. And Kenley Jensen, you know, he's he's kind of bounced back a bit, but he's looked a little rough coming back from the DL. So he was he bad on Monday. To, <laughs>
2: what's that? He, he was bad on Monday in the tiebreaker game. Um, he gave up two. Yeah, he just gave up tonight. two home
1: runs. Yeah, just like. Got, got launched off by Story and um, was it Story and Arenado? Was that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you kind of you just have to kind of hope that those are the kind of the games that you win because again, this is going to be a good. This is a really good team, and one of their strengths is their pitching. So you just kind of have to find places to get lucky. And I mean, there's places where you can get lucky. You know that these these aren't these aren't guys that haven't had bad starts before. And you know, I mean, Walker Bueller's kind of coming off an injury, and he's also a rookie. So you kind of wonder how much longer this will last. Uh, you know, and Rich Rich Hill's kind of been around forever. You know, he seems to always give the Braves fits every time he pitches against them. But you know, maybe this is like the one time that the Braves get you know get to him. It's kind of, again, it's it's this doesn't seem impossible to me, but I mean, it's understandable why the Braves aren't favored in this series.
0: Absolutely, you look at just through the numbers of of the guys that the Dodgers are going to run out there, and you talked about Kershaw, and, and Hill seems to just. I don't know if the Braves have ever scored a run against Rich Hill. It sure doesn't feel like it. Um, and because of, of the lineup, I, I didn't realize this until I was doing some research today, but the Dodgers actually led baseball in WRC Plus this year. Um, so it's not like their pitching staff has to be perfect. And I think I think when we talk about it, we keep talking about how good the Dodgers are and and, and how, uh, how favored they're going to be. It's really not a, a reflection of the Braves not being good. I mean, this has been... As you and everyone listening here knows very well, this has been a really good team since opening day. It's just the Dodgers with their finances, with their depth, uh, with the way they've spent uh, spent their money and invested in players uh, as they hit free agency. I mean, they're just a different beast, and there's a reason they came within a game of the World Series last year, and, and most of those guys are back. I will say I don't think this team is quite to the level of last year's super team where everyone kind of figured they were just going to walk right through the NL playoffs, but um, – but a, a very good team, and you know, as we all said, good starting rotation. And when you have that kind of a lineup, you don't have to be perfect. Uh, and, and they've certainly been there before. So it's it's going to be a real challenge.
2: I would agree that this team isn't, isn't as good on paper as the team last year. Um, but that isn't to say this isn't the best team in the National League. I think it is. Um, I was on record as saying that I absolutely wanted the Braves to play, to play the Rockies. There was some disagreement for people that are, that I think are smart. So it wasn't like this was unanimous. Um, there were people that wanted the, that wanted to see the Dodgers versus the Rockies. I thought that was actually pretty crazy, but uh, I could see it to a certain extent. Um, but the pitching staff is you know it's talented. It isn't completely lights out. I do think that you know aside from if Kershaw decides to dial it in, Bueller is pretty terrifying. But you know Hill has the weirdness where he's either really good or really not usually um so maybe he has an off day or has you know his famous blister comes back something like that um Ryu is kind of hittable at times um their bullpen isn't as good as you might think it is on paper the the names are big but Jansen hasn't been himself and all that fun stuff so I do think that it's um the the pitching staff is is good but isn't unhittable on most days even though they're capable of just lighting you up you know Kershaw famously has had some some playoff foibles but that is, I kind of don't believe in that necessarily to the level that you probably th- might think. I think Kershaw, when he's when he's Kershaw and when he's good, is still excellent in the playoffs, and we'll see what he looks like. Um, he isn't the guy he used to be, by the way. Like this is this is kind of like the B plus version of Kershaw now. He's not the full blown best pitcher on the planet anymore. But when he's good, he's still like completely lights out. So yeah i mean there's a reason again <laughs> that they're, they're and it's worth
1: mentioning game. that i've seen like you know not great kershaw before in the playoffs against the braves i had yes. like i was like three three rows away from freddie garcia <laughs> from the yeah and it, uh it was a uh even with him he's, he's not perfect in striking out 12 guys a game uh he is as it turns out very hard to make hard contact off of so you know again it's gonna be a challenge and you have to kind of we have to get lucky and kind of have some guys really show up. I mean, but I mean, I, but I don't think this is an impossible thing. Um, and the, if the Braves, if this Braves team has taught me anything, is that any expectation I have about well, the, well, there goes that game, or well, we're not going to win this one, and that they have done far more le- unlikely things this season than beat the Dodgers in the five-game series. So yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not like a, I'm not certainly not saying everyone should, you know, panic and you know already start planning for a life without baseball after this week.
2: I strongly agree with that. By the way, they've done a lot more uh, surprising things. Um, let's talk about the lineup just for a second. For the Dodgers, you know they're missing Corey Seager for the season, which is kind of crazy. He was their best player last year, probably, and has been gone for a long, long time. Of course, they went and got Machado, which really helps. But uh, you know, Manny Machado, Max Muncy's been out of his mind—thirty-five home runs, I think. Justin Turner, yeah,
0: he's he's incredible. I, I think it was Jeff Sullivan fan FanGraphs who was talking about Max Muncy the other day—a guy who was a non-roster invitee. Wow, and he was a top i think he was seventh or eighth in all of baseball this year in wrc plus which is just insane he you know i think his tweet was this happened and we don't talk about it every single day like it's the craziest thing in the world um anyway
2: yeah no, they. I mean, between that, I mean, Kemp finally cooled off. But the first like two minutes of the season, Matt Kemp was out of his mind. Um, as he does, he did cool off. But um, having that guy as a be- basically a bench guy, <laughs> a bench bat, is pretty crazy. You know, they have he has Manny Grandal has been really, really good. Um, if not, you know, one of the best, best one of the best catchers in the league. Cody Bellinger is really talented. They still have Yasiel Puig, who is hot and cold. But when he's hot. Can carry you for three games at a time. Um, yeah, and yeah, always but, kills the Braves. Yeah, he's been a Braves killer. You, they have they have guys like Chris Taylor, who is like not this like incredible player, but this you know very valuable utility guy. We mentioned Brian. We Brian Dozier before. He isn't the same guy that he was in Minnesota necessarily, but he's dangerous too. Like even Jock Peterson, you know, like, he, 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 I was like, I guess leads off for them sometimes. Is like that was a former. Uber duber prospect that is uh, very talented as well. So, I mean, you don't want to you
1: don't want to hit Jock Peterson in like one of his three weeks where he's basically you can't get him out right uh, in the season. He's capable <laughs> so, of
2: hitting like four home hom- like four homers in a series and kind of just lighting you up. So, I mean, Machado is the biggest name by far on the team. So, that's worth saying, but Who's the guy that scares you? Is it Machado that scares you the most? Yeah. And just in a vacuum, is he is he the guy, or is it somebody else? I mean, Justin, Lunds, he might be the answer.
1: Turner? Justin
2: Turner. Yeah, yeah. I, team was, team. I was going to
1: say Justin Turner. He's been out of his mind the last couple months, and you know him coming back and kind of being a big bat in the middle of that lineup is a is a big deal. Especially if we're going to be running out lefties uh, and trying to you know play you know try to try to to win you know that sort of those matchups and having having Nukem against Justin Turner is a legitimately terrifying prospect for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's not great. Um, so I mean, again, we we're obviously wanting the Braves to do well in this series, and it's baseball. Um, baseball is the sport I think above all of them, um, where on a one night basis anything can happen. You know, the NFL was kind of a series of one night events because it's football and it's every round is one is one game. So that I guess that's probably more random in that it's actually just one game that you're advancing. But baseball on a nightly basis can get really weird and the best team doesn't always win. In fact, it often doesn't win. Um, so that kind of gives you more more hope and, you know, the, the betting markets kind of are what they are. I think in general, the Braves are not coin flips to win this series. I think they are the underdog, but at the same time, it isn't a situation where you would look at like in the NBA, as the, other, other, the other sport that I, that I cover quite a bit, you know, if the better team the NBA loses, it's kind of a big deal. It doesn't happen very often. Um, more in, as in baseball, it happens at least once or twice every single year in the playoffs. Like the number, the number one yeah. seeds hardly ever meet in the, in the World Series. That kind of just doesn't happen very often, and that, that that gives you some optimism, even if even if you kind of has some trouble looking at these rosters and maybe like liking the Braves a whole lot. But it's baseball, man. <laughs> That's kind of the way I put it. Yeah,
0: weird stuff's gonna happen.
2: Hard to agree. It's, yes, I mean, I, I, I wish I was more eloquent about it, but like, we we looked at the series. Do we all, we all agree that Dodgers are better than the Braves? Um, was that just me saying that? Or do we all agree on that?
1: I think just top to bottom. Uh, uh, on paper and as a team overall, I would agree that they are better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I think I was looking at it today in the research. I think you can make a pretty strong argument that the Dodgers 1 through 25 is the best roster uh, outside of Boston or Houston this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and they're playing like it recently. I mean, early they, they struggled for a long time. The fact that they were actually in a race in the National League West was was pretty surprising. But in the last you know couple of months, they've looked like the team that we had, that, they, that they were that they were supposed to be that hundred win juggernaut. And they turned it on, and that is terrifying because now you have to play the hundred win jugger- juggernaut in their in their home building three times if you take it to a five game series. And the Braves, have been, the Braves have, of course, been better on the road this year, but in the playoffs is just different. You definitely want home field. I know the argument was that the Braves have been better away from Central West Park. Still, I think you you would have preferred to have home field, even even with all the numbers as they are. And the Dodgers will be rocking. You know, that's a, that's a town that's not known for his diehard fans necessarily, but it's a playoff game and they're playing at night. It'll and be, rowdy. Be, yeah. be rowdy. Yeah, it'll be rowdy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now I'm with you. I think, you know, you, you talk about analyzing this with your head and with your heart, and I think... Uh, Yes, absolutely. I I think there's no real doubt about it that the Dodgers on paper should win this series. Every computer thinks they're going to win this series. Vegas thinks they're going to win the series. We talked about ESPN 26 of of 27. uh, Experts picked the Dodgers to win this series. And frankly, the Dodgers might win this series. But again, as we've all said, baseball is weird. And and it's not a case of the Braves just kind of lucking into the division. I mean, this has been by every metric and statistic the Braves are a good team and they have some some real talent um and, and anything can happen we've seen how good you know we talk about whether or not Sean Newcomb starts maybe maybe Sean Newcomb does throw one of his his games where he throws eight shutout innings and it's just the ace that everyone has seen him be at times um weird things happen in short playoff series I'm, I'm, I can't get myself to think without you know Really, kind of wearing the rose-colored glasses. The Braves are going to win this series, no question asked. But I do think it'll be a close series, and I think it's one that'll be
2: really entertaining.
1: All right, you ready for you ready for this prediction, guys? You ready I for was this? about to
2: say we're we're about, we're we're about to. I was about to ask you about predictions. So let's, let's hear it, Eric. Let's get it. So
1: I completely understand why the Dodgers are favored on paper and all that stuff. That said, I am picking the Braves to win this thing in five. Yeah, you are, and I, I, I'm and I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to say that Fulty will not have the best pitching performance of a Braves pitcher in the series. God, I man. do think that Ronald Acuna has recorded one hit against the Dodgers this year, granted it's a sample size of four games, uh, and that hit was a home run. So obviously, based on how this team has has done things this year, he's going to win the series MVP, and both Charlie Culberson and Ender Ciarte who I would have never picked for this at the beginning of the season are both going to have big hits. They're going to cause. They're going to help the Braves win. Win two mm-hmm. of these three games. I'm not going to say they're walk offs because that's a little bit too situational. But um, those two, like that's what's going to happen because that is just what this team does. I do think the Dodgers are really good. They're going to take a couple games from the Braves, and I think it's going to go the full five. But this team has a gun. Like I, I've literally been like, it's been the top of the ninth. And we're like, the Braves are down three runs, and I'm like, well, we'll just get them tomorrow. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, what had just happened? We just won this game <laughs> eight to five. And you know, and it has happened over and over again. And yeah, they're going to get beat sometimes, but they've already kind of gone through their little bit of a lull at the end of the season where they lost four games that they probably shouldn't, you know, lost four games against some teams that weren't particularly good. And this is the part of the season where they start, you know, winning five or six games in a row. And I have no reason to believe at this point because this this team has kind of defied all logic, and I'm here for it. So I'm gonna give me the Braves at five.
0: Hmm. Go ahead, Brad, Scott. where you at?
1: No, no. Scott, you, you got to go first.
2: I'm saving myself for last. Oh, no. I'm, I'm taking a here. Really,
0: Eric is really persuasive. No, I'm rethinking myself. Oh, uh, yeah, baby. Get, get
1: weird, Scott. <laughs> embrace it, get, get Scott. Embra- let's get weird, man. Just embrace it.
0: I think uh, my prediction at the start was Dodgers in five. And I think in my head, I think that's right. Obviously, in my heart, I hope it's Braves in three and they win every game 10 nothing, And uh, we're laughing every night on the post game podcasts. But Um, I I think it's going to be the Dodgers in five. I I think, uh, I think they're going to split in LA. I think they'll split in Atlanta. Um, and then they just won't have quite enough to overcome the defending, uh, NL champs, uh, in game five. I do think it's going to be a really fun series. I think it's just going to be, and it feels like to use a Vegas reference, we're kind of playing with house money here a little bit. Uh, No one thought the Braves were going to be here six months ago. Uh, I think all three of us, if if we would have been told six months ago they would have a 500 season and the young kids would play well, we would have taken it happily. Uh, So it does feel like house money. That's not to say that it's not going to be frustrating or nerve-wracking the next week or so, but um, it it should be a lot of fun to see the young kids play. You hope that uh, you can start to have some memories with this team. It's been a really fun team all year long, uh, and you hope – who knows? I mean, as we said, baseball is a weird thing. The Giants won three times in five years – Uh, Weird things happen in the game. Uh, But ultimately, I think the Dodgers just have a little too much, a little too much depth, a little too much talent, a little too much experience, uh, and they'll win it in five.
2: This is going to be perfect in that um, Eric is going to be the fan favorite, as he always is, because uh, all the Braves fans are going to (laughs) love Eric's prediction. Uh, And then Scott and I will get yelled at all week um, because I'm picking the Dodgers because I can't not. My my analyst hat um, will not allow me to pick a team that I don't think is better, uh, especially when they don't have home field. Uh, again, all the caveats are out there. The Braves can absolutely win the series, and I think they probably would 45% of the time, something like that. So, like, again, baseball, the margins are so narrow that – me picking the Dodgers does not mean that I think the Braves are some massive underdog. I think that, I think if I was betting on the series with the numbers as they are right now, like for instance, the Dodgers like minus 200, the Braves like plus 170, I think, the, I think the Braves are the right side on that. If you were making me choose that, I would pick the Braves to win the series um, in terms of value. Um, with that said, nothing else on the line, just pick the better team in a five game series with home field. I'm gonna take the Dodgers in five as well. I think it's gonna be close. I'd be surprised if either team swept the other. I will say that that would be a surprise to me. I, I think this is. I series. agree with that. We're 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 going to see Game Four. I'm pretty sure on Monday at SunTrust. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, Dodgers and five. I don't I don't love it, but that's kind of what my what my brain is saying, and that's what I'm here for, and what I'm, what I'm kind of trained to say in terms of um my analyst hat and trying to be at least as, as objective as possible. It's sort of a weird place to be on this podcast than that this is a podcast for Braves fans and I grew up a Braves fan and still lean that way of course I want the Braves to do well Um, but uh, yeah I have to have to try to turn it off and I can't do it so yeah Dodgers in five is my official prediction even if I want the Braves to do well so there you go on that uh, I think
0: if I can throw in one so this is what I think is going to define the series oh yeah Uh, this year Dodgers hitters have walked more than anybody else uh, they lead baseball and walk percentage this year Braves pitchers were second worst in baseball and walks given up I think it's going to be an issue to throw strikes the Dodgers are incredibly patient I think that is going to be what's ultimately the undoing for the Braves Just partly the Dodgers ability to work the count and, and take walks and also their uh, the Braves inability at times especially with the bullpen uh, to consistently throw strikes and not put runners on first
2: yeah I think that's a good point. You know, walks have been unfortunately, if you were if you were gonna tell me a negative theme of the season for the Braves, it might be walks. <laughs> like yeah. it's been it's been there's there's been a lot of positive themes. Basically all the themes have been positive. This team's been really, really, really fun to watch and has overachieved and really did more than we all thought they were gonna do. Um but there's one thing that's been consistently frustrating all season long is their inability to get um to yeah. not walk guys So especially, that's probably a good. Point. Especially the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. The bull, the bullpen plus Tehran and Newcomb. That that collection has been really bad at walking guys, um, and I think mercifully we're only going to see one of Tyron and Newcomb in the series. But the bullpen is, you know, Minter even was the best pitcher for most of the season in the bullpen, and he he has a walk issue. So like, there's all kinds of. Uh, that's probably good. I think that's a, probably a good good uh, analysis and good insight from Scott. There is that that could be a point of, of contention. And if the Braves, on the flip side, if you want to be more optimistic, if the Braves can throw strikes that could be a big advantage because they haven't thrown strikes all season long and they're still yeah. in this position.
0: So, Especially the three starters, they're going to run out there with Fulty, Yannibal, and, and Gosman. You just need those guys to go as long as you can because I don't think there's anyone out there who's going to feel great if they can only go five innings and you hand it to the bullpen to get the last four innings of outs.
2: Well, and that's why, I, I mean, we, we, we've all said it, but that's why I think it's huge that they have, well, presumably have Tuki and Freed on this team is I do think something along the way will get weird, and they're going to have to get a game where they only have to start a starter three or four innings, and they're going to have to win that game. So it's a situation where you're going to have to comb through five, six innings of bullpen on at least one one of these nights. That's just how that works in the playoffs, especially if it's managed properly. Um, you know, if if you have a starter that's really battling out there, and it's the third inning, and they put two guys on base, and you're already down, you're already down a run. You got you got to get him out of there. It's you know it's a situation in, in August where you would not have pulled a guy at that at that at that point in time, but in the playoffs, there's just no margin for error. So go get him. Yeah. Go go to Tuki and see what Tukey can do, or go to Freed and see what he can do. Try to get two more innings out of those guys, maybe three more innings out of those guys. But that's it's important to note that at some point in this series, win or lose, there's going to be like a, almost like a bullpen game. It's more, it's very likely to happen where a starter somewhere will only go two three innings and it's going to be, uh, the cobbling together of what happens. And it's kind of crush, crush your fingers and hope for the best. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm just hoping for a fun series. It'd be, you know, I'm not saying it will. It would be deflating if the Dodgers come in and just kind of run the Braves over. And I don't think they will. I think the Braves are too good. The lineup is too deep for that to happen. Um, So yeah, hopefully we have fun podcast post game to talk about (laughs) rather than the alternative, especially since the games probably won't end until about midnight.
2: Oh, it's going to be very, very late nights for those of us on the East coast. Scott gets the easy uh, end of the stick here and, uh, the games will be on a reasonable time out there, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be awful for us. Um, going back to what Eric said, I do think it would be incredibly fitting if we got a Charlie Culberson walk-off at some point in the series, given the fact that he came out of absolute nowhere um, to be good this season. He's had so many of those big big clutch hits. It would be very on-brand for this Braves team if Culberson did a thing at some point. And so I, I, I like that from Eric. That was, that was, a, good, that was a good call.
1: I mean, I'm telling you, this, all this team does is win games late that they shouldn't win and guys who yeah. shouldn't be doing what they're supposed to be doing, do, what they're doing, doing those things. So I, I don't know. It just seems like that <laughs> the Braves shouldn't even be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I, I I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that because Scott's 100 percent right. Like the Braves are playing with house money. I I, I was listening to, I think it was Joel Sherman. Uh, he was on, uh, I think he was on MLB Network somewhere, and he said that, you know, obviously the Braves are a great story. There's a lot of really young talent, but this might be the worst Braves team that we're going to see in the next five years. Mm. Because I mean, between what's going to happen in the off season where we know they're going to be busy on the free agent and the trade market. And, you know, we, we can presume that a lot of these guys that we like a lot, you know, the Ozzie Albies and the Ronald Coonies of the world, they're actually going to be, and they're actually going to progress. And there's going to be some of the parts of the roster that are less than desirable. We'll, we'll move on to, you know, hopefully bigger and better things that, right now all i i'm just happy that this happened i mean i was oddly enough i couldn't watch when the braves clinched i had a, my stepson was and he does speed cubing competitions and it just so happened that the, the one one saturday where he was having a competition was where they could have clinched and they did uh, but i was like glued to my phone the entire time and I know, like, everything told us about the magic number was that, you know, it was going to be basically impossible for the, the Phillies or the Nationals to catch the Braves. And it finally got down to that last game, and the Braves take the lead, and I'm, like, glued to my phone the entire time. And again, I, we kind of knew it was eventually going to happen just because of how badly the Phillies were playing. But, like, once that happened, it was just that the Braves clinched the division. I was just, like, kind of, like, a, a lot of tension was just kind of released, and it was just, yeah. okay, we're, we're there. And I didn't feel anxiety about well, what's going to happen with the what's going to happen with the playoffs. Who are we going to go against? How deep can we go? Because we're already way past where we should have been. And I'm ecstatic that the Braves even won the division. And you know, it's going to there are going to be people that are upset if the Braves end up losing this series, which could very well happen. Uh, and if you're you know if you're not like me and you're actually using your head as to kind of what's what this matchup is, it's a very tough one. I mean, that's a very likely possibility, but. I hope that people don't realize that don't they don't forget that this season already is a gift. (laughs) Like winning a division title with this roster against the teams that we actually like, the Nationals should have won this division on paper. The Phillies had a a good run. The the Mets have a really good rotation. There's a lots of reasons why all three of those teams should have placed against ahead of the Braves this year, and the Braves defied all those expectations and really played out of their minds to get here just because they get a matchup against a team that's better than them in the playoffs doesn't make this team a failure if they end up losing this series and i hope people don't forget that yeah absolutely that is
2: very well said um from eric and uh, i think we all would echo that it's a very it's been a very, very fun season um you know in the middle of the series if things don't go well um or if they do go well we'll probably be lost in the minutia quite a bit i am anticipating a lot of uh, hot takes and um you know opinions being flying uh, throughout the series but it's important to keep that context that they're not supposed to be here. They never were supposed to be here. And this has been a lot of fun. the most fun season in a long time. Um, as someone covering the team now that's just been a fan for a long time. So we're kind of all on the same page there. Um, any, any parting thoughts, gentlemen, we'll definitely be reconvening in the next uh, couple of days as you know, late night podcasts are upon us. It won't be all of us, every single podcast, but it'll be me and someone, um, for every post game pod and we'll kind of coordinate that, uh, later on, but, uh, please fire off anything else. I know Eric just kind of spilled (laughs) his heart for the masses, but, uh, Scott, do you have anything else to close with here?
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's crazy to think it's, it's been five years since the Braves have had a, a playoff opportunity. Um, and really, when you think about it, they had that incredible run in the 90s and early thousands, of course. But it's crazy to think that since 2006, this is only the third time the Braves have won their division, which is nuts. Um, and, and hopefully it's, it's a fun ride. And as Eric said, he kind of hit the uh, nail on the head perfectly. It's It's been such a fun year since opening day, frankly. We talked about it last year or last week just how the comeback on opening day and, and Marquekis' walk off home really kind of set the tone for everybody uh, for the entire season. And you hope that the team is able to go out and, and play up to the level that they're able to um, and just have fun. You don't want the young guys to be so uptight. It's hard to imagine this team being tight uh, with how much fun they have in the dugout every game. Uh, but hopefully, we're in for a a good handful of games and and it should be a lot of fun to watch
2: to be sure. Uh that, that'll do it, I think, for the pod, guys. Uh, I appreciate both of you joining me for this special occasion. Uh, good to have both of you in the same room. I think people thought that you might have just like been different people this whole time. And, uh,
1: <laughs> Actually guess, the same person, just different voices. Yeah, that's what,
2: that's what I mean. Uh, it's a situation where uh, I think I think this, this will answer a lot of questions for people um, that you guys do. Or raise new ones. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no feud going on between the two of you. You're allowed to be on the same podcast at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of questions that were being asked of me, so I wanted to at least answer them in this form. No, I'm,
1: I'm kidding. What, uh, what, it, once once Scott makes his like once a decade trip to Atlanta again, I'll make sure I meet up with him so we can. Tell <laughs> him. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. Scott is uh, a mystery man, but uh, alas, here we are. <laughs> and Scott, I'm going to go ahead and pencil you in for that Friday night game because 937 start time means this game is going to be ending probably at like 1 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. and uh, I'm going to need you on Friday, I think myself, but We'll, we'll book that after the podcast but uh that, that, that might be a scott a scott coleman bat signal if i've ever seen one in my life I mean, <laughs> me and you home on that one at like three in the morning so yeah you are, you know are, that you, one. are you going to the game on sunday brad uh the jury is out the jury is mm. out if uh if like any other sport i was able to get a credential for the game i would be there but the atlanta braves do not want to credential for me so i'm working on a way to get in the building um so we'll see what
1: happens. Everyone tweeted Brad that he has to go to the game on Sunday because I am going to the game on Sunday. And if any of you are out there, want, want me to come by and say hi, I'll be happy to because I'm going to be in a very good mood that day, hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, it's not 2 nothing Dodgers on Sunday when we yeah, get there. Yeah, that'd be kind of sad, but I'm still – I mean, that SunTrust is going to be unbelievable on Sunday. <laughs> I, I, even if they're down 2 nothing, that place is going to be crushed and there's going to be a lot of really loud people. The, the, what kind of loud will, determine, will be determined based on how the series is going, but it's going to be crazy there. For sure. I'm hoping to be there
2: and that uh, I will not be there for sure on the Mondays because I can't. So, if, if it gets to game four, you're going to have to hold me down, uh, fans. Uh, I will not be in attendance for Monday. So, Thursday, um, Sunday is going to be hopefully the one. But, you know, Thursday will be here faster than we know it. It's Tuesday night now. You know, the game will be happening in 48 hours and uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. So, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Eric. For everybody else, um, subscribe to the podcast. We'll be here a lot in the coming days. Uh, a- after every single game, I'll have a podcast of some sort. It might be short, it might be long. It might be ranty, it might be angry or celebratory. There'll be a lot of options on the table, but there will be, there will be content in this in this space. So subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts or where you'd like to listen to podcasts. And uh, we'll see you guys in a couple of days.